We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Coming up on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, I'm dead in Circus Survivor. <laughs> Bengals lost, Jaguars lost, life is hell. Nick Whalen and I here to talk all about that and more coming up. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by Circus Sports and Splash Sports. Uh, thanks for having both of them on board as our sponsors. Jeff here with Nick Whalen. Uh, and as alluded to, I'm dead in Circus Survivor. I had a bad feeling about it, but couldn't find that pivot. And sure enough, I'm, uh, I ate the chalk and some this, the chalk did a, dis, disagreed with me this time, Nick. And uh, the Bengals lost. I'm dead. Yeah, man, I, I was, uh, you know, kind of driving back home from up north, had the game streaming in the car, and I, I thought you were I, I thought you were going to be good when the Bengals started to mount that comeback. It, it just kind of oh. felt like yet another, like, here come the Bengals. It's inevitable. Every year, midseason, they start to go on these runs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for a while there, especially after the C.J. Stroud pick, you're just thinking, all right, the, the, we're starting to, we're, we're might get into Team of Destiny territory here uh, for Jeff. But, uh, man, C.J. Stroud has done it again. He's done it again. He got the ball back with, what, a minute and a half, minute 33, uh, after the Evan McPherson field goal, which, by the way, uh, probably should have been a touchdown on that drive for Cincinnati. Um, but once again, just chunk play. Tyler Boyd. Play. What you Tyler do, Boyd, Tyler Boyd? What you do? Uh, oh. One of one of several bad touchdown drops. Mike Evans had had one that's going to be on the, the season highlight reel uh, as well. But yeah, uh, the, won, the ability oh. – yeah, they still did. And he still got his, another touchdown separately. But – you know, the ability of C.J. Stroud to rip off chunk plays in these situations consistently, and this is like the third time this year that he's let a drive like this. And, you know, you start off with an incompletion. You know, they, they have a short – I think they ran the ball on second down. All of a sudden, it's third and six with like 40 seconds left. Boom, 25 yards to Dalton Schultz. A couple plays later, Noah Brown, 22 yards down the field. All of a sudden, you're at the Cincinnati 20-yard line. I mean, you think of how many times you see teams in these situations, and it feels like instantly it's like fourth and ten, or there's pressure and there's a sack. Like – I mean, Houston's ability with this banged up offensive line, you know, Stroud is just so focused, so dialed in. I mean, Noah Brown has, what, 150-plus yards in two consecutive games? He's a top-three receiver over the last three weeks. Uh, I mean, this is it's just such a fun team to watch. I mean, it, it pains me as an AFC South fan uh, that C.J. Stroud already looks better than Trevor Lawrence uh, on yeah. most weeks. But you got to tip your cap, man. I, I, I still think the Bengals were the right play. You know, when they came down, scored on their first drive, you're thinking, all right, we're off and running. Uh, but after that, I mean, the offense, the offense struggled really for the entire you know, end of the first quarter, uh, all the way until they started to wake up later in the second half. Yeah, uh, the Houston pass rush was one of the stories of this game. They made Burrow exceedingly uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and yet the Bengals couldn't run the ball either. Uh, you know, lack of T. Higgins definitely mattered. Uh, you could tell because they they were settling for a lot of checkdowns. They were going to uh, the tight ends again a lot early on. Later on, Burrow was able to come and make some plays. But, you know, for all the, the blame I'm heaping on Tyler Boyd for that touchdown drop, which, by the way, still probably would have won them the game. Nonetheless, though, Burrow threw two picks. One just awful, awful pick in yeah. the end zone. Uh, you know, he's scrambling and just left it short. I mean, that 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 was a huge play in the game. Now, Stroud gave it back uh, later on with that. But uh and then the, the Bengals defense too. Uh, Cam Taylor Britt had his worst game. You know, I've been pumping him up, talking him up, and he he struggled. 
Uh, the Bengals lost Trey Hendrickson at the end of the game to a hyperstended knee. He's probably not going to play Thursday night. It might be longer than that, too. They'll probably still be without Sam Hubbard. That mattered a lot. They didn't get much pressure on Stroud. No. That's, that's a big factor in this game. Um, the, uh, the Texans under Stroud lead the NFL in pass plays of 25 yards or more. They're just ripping off chunk plays. It's just you don't see that out of rookies. You just don't. And he's so calm. You know, after he threw that, he threw a horrible pick that set the Bengals up for, for this opportunity. And he, he just kind of said to the coach, I got you. And and, and, the, and there's a, and then uh, D'Amico Ryan said, I trust you. And it's like, yeah, sure enough, he did. And it worked. Uh, Bengals missed a tackle on that, uh, the last pass that gave the Texans yep. another 10 yards for that field goal. Another 10 yards, that, that kick was kind of getting all sort of twisty. It could have been, you know, might not have been good from 10, you know, 10 more hours. It was Matt Amendola. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, not Dari Agumbawale on the kick. No, not Dari. Um, it, Singletary was running like crazy. The Bengals couldn't tackle. That, yeah, that was the other big thing uh, you know, that I had in my notes here. I mean, not only is Noah Brown the number two receiver uh, over the last three weeks, but uh, Devin Singletary, 30 carries, 150 yards, uh, you know, a couple long ones mixed in there. Uh, you know, didn't really do a whole lot as a pass catcher out of the backfield, but this was, this is what has kind of made Houston season even more impressive so far is they've, they've had no running game whatsoever. It's been all on CJ Stroud. And now you, know, you finally see, okay, you know, this is what this offense can look like when it's not a hundred percent on CJ Stroud. And I'll be very interested to see you know, what happens when Damian Pierce comes back. He's already, you know, down to 75% rostered in ESPN leagues. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see after a game like this, when you've had so little success beforehand, I feel like Singletary has to remain in the mix. I'm not saying Pierce. I, I think he has to start. And I have Pierce in the stake league. And I, I just, Singletary has earned this job. And make no mistake, Houston, for all the things I lament about the Bengals losing, Houston was the better squad there. They lost a fumble uh, in, in plus territory. They lost another fumble on fourth yeah. down. Um, they they had a touchdown callback when Robert Woods was ruled to kind of run out of the back. Of the end zone. Yeah. Um, had to settle for three from in, inside the 10. Uh, they and I never saw a good view of that. It's all billion yeah. dollar industry, and they, they don't have cameras everywhere. I just that was one of those like, well, I guess that's what we called on the field, so we just have to yeah. we have to keep it. And that was a big play. I mean, I, I believe that that took a touchdown off the board and, and turned it yep. into a field goal. Uh, I mean, Cincinnati allowed 544 yards. Like to say Houston was the better team is is almost a, an understatement. And until until the Bengals got rolling and they had that long touchdown to Jamar Chase late. I mean, Houston had tripled up Cincinnati in yardage. I'm aware like, of that. Late in the third quarter. Uh, you know, it, it really was, it was a game that was not overly competitive for a while. I mean, Houston was just going up and down the field. They couldn't get stops on third down. Uh, but, you know, we mentioned it. The, the boy drop was big. But even before that, I mean, the Bengals are set up with a first and goal at the seven. Joe Burrow immediately sacked. And, you know, you go from a really advantageous scoring position when you've scored on the previous drive. Uh, you know, they kind of overcome the back-to-back interceptions by Burrow. But to take that sack, and you see this all the time, right? It's usually bad teams that this happens to. Uh, but but to, to lose that advantage, all of a sudden, you know, you're kind of like a second and long, despite it being second and goal. You know, the Bengals started to press a little bit, still got a they pretty reasonable look to run play after that that got stuffed. Did not love that. Did and not you know love what, that. though? But they could have called Mixon twice to run up the gut, and it would have been the same exact result. It would have been two touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, two timeouts called by Houston, and then the drop touchdown from shorter distance. Um, you know, the fact is, Burrow threw a dime to Tyler Boyd, hit him in the hands. The Bengals yep. go up by, you know, the, the Bengals would then go up by four instead of tying. Uh, but for that, and Houston would have had to go the distance score touchdown. Now we've seen him do it, but at least right. the, the probability would a lot higher. So despite that, the, the clown show on first and second down, it would not have mattered. So. No, no, it wouldn't have. Uh, you know, frustrating game, certainly for Cincinnati. Uh, you know, I guess <laughs> at least uh, at least the Ravens lost as well. Uh, but but yeah. still felt like one throughout. You know, it felt like Houston was going to run with it, run away with it for a while. Then it felt like Cincinnati was inevitably you know going to come back and, and somehow sneak out this win at home. They were they were never really going to cover. That was never mm-hmm. uh, much of a consideration. But yeah, a, a demoralizing loss for Cincinnati. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned some of the injuries as well. Uh, Got to be keeping an eye on T Higgins. I mean, they play on a short week now uh, at Baltimore on Thursday night. And Higgins isn't going to play. Hundred, I, I, ninety-eight percent chance he doesn't play. I, I, they were saying week to week with that. Yeah. The way they declared him out so quickly on that one there, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure of it. Four hundred twenty-two people in Circus Survivor took the Bengals. That was like thirty-six percent. Uh, another uh, forty-one people took the Ravens. We are down to six seventy-eight now in Circus Survivor. Wow. Um, I'll, funny thing though is we feel it's a lot later in the season. It's still the halfway point of this contest. Right. Um, so there's still a lot more left to go, but, uh, uh, it, so it goes, um, 
eh, I don't know. I'm still uh, still frustrating uh, there. But anyways, wasn't the worst day. Um, you know, I, but it's the type of game the Bengals didn't don't lose under Joe Burrow and and Zach Taylor. But it is what it is. Unfortunately, your Jaguars even worse. Let's just, just skip uh, this one. Beat me down, and I I'm legitimately worried about the offense. Uh, I mean, yeah. granted, I think this the Niners coming off a bye is part of it, but Trevor Lawrence hasn't had a huge game yet this year. Nope. Not a single one. And this this certainly does not qualify. He was actually out of the game in the fourth quarter. We saw CJ Beathard uh, come in and, and finish it out for Jacksonville. I, I took notes on every game yesterday. This was I, I couldn't even get myself to write anything down about the Jags. <laughs> I was I was so frustrated. I mean, I, I did I told you all week, Jeff, that I was going with like the extreme emotional hedge. Like I, I had 49ers big and pick them. We use the 49ers minus three in Circa. Uh, another great week there. Uh, we are 3-0-1 heading into tonight where we have Buffalo uh, to cover seven against Denver, by the way. Um, so, you know, it, it ended up it ended up working out okay for me where, you know, I was, I was certainly prepared for this result. But, man, for the Jags to not even be competitive in this game, uh, you know, to, to, to allow the 49ers to, to come right down after the Jags, of course, do their usual three and out. They've been one of the worst yeah. first drive teams, if not the worst in the entire league. All season, they never do anything on their first drive. They go two, three and outs, 49ers score on their first two drives. After that, you know, the Jags defense started to provide a little bit of resistance. You know, it was a 10-3 game, uh, you know, late in the in the second quarter. Uh, 49ers did tack on a field goal. Jake Moody barely puts one in uh, before halftime, but just got completely, completely outclassed in the second half. Uh, second play of the second half, 49ers got the ball. George Kittle just runs right past Devin Lloyd, who, you know, is, is supposed to be this young up-and-coming linebacker for the Jags. He's really struggled uh, through his first season and a half. I mean, there was just no safety help whatsoever. Lloyd wasn't even really close. And uh, once Kittle ripped off that touchdown, he, he kind of knew it was over. Uh, you know, Lawrence threw, threw a couple of picks. One of them, ball, you know, ball was deflected, uh, or he's kind of hit as he threw it. Not necessarily his fault. The other one went off the hands of Tank Bigsby, believe it or not. Uh, who now has, I, I think, three turnovers on, on like three of his 10 touches on the year. Uh, I mean, Lawrence did like rifle it at him from two feet away. So not, not 100%. On Bigsby, but it just does feel like anytime he touches the ball, bad things have happened. Uh, you know, Christian Kirk lost a, a brutal fumble that should have been returned for a touchdown. The 49ers, just a weird play where I don't think they I don't think they realized that the defender had not been touched. Like the whole team kind of came out uh you know onto the field to celebrate and they were they were flagged for this kind of bizarre, like unsportsmanlike conduct that was never really explained on the broadcast. But I, I'm pretty sure at least that's what brought back the touchdown. Uh, but th this one could have been even more out of hand. I mean, the Niners were desperately trying to get Christian McCaffrey. A touchdown at the end of this game to extend the Shameful. streak and Shameful people on people on Jags Twitter were, were upset about it I actually don't care I, I I think in that situation if it was if it was Travis Etienne going for the record I would be fine with it I, I think it's a unique enough situation it's a unique enough record Christian McCaffrey is a pretty likable player like I wanted him to get the record I wasn't really it didn't really affect the game at that point uh but still it was just kind of you know twisting the knife at, at that point where you know you're already only, up 31 points only thing I I had against that was you're exposing him to injury uh unnecessarily sure. yeah. so and for the the amount of usage McCaffrey gets for his injury history yeah that's why I would have had a problem with it not I don't care about the whole running it up thing these are professionals whatever um that that part didn't bother me so much but it was shameful just yeah. because I thought you know, hey you're you're taking an unnecessary risk especially when you know the whole world knows the ball's going to him right. in one way shape, way, shape or form yeah. well and I think um, the Jags do too and that's that's why I didn't punch it in uh, yeah. But really, not not a whole lot else to say here. Unsurprisingly, you know, Travis Etienne not able to really get anything going on the ground. It, he actually was relatively efficient, but the Jags had to get away from the running game early. Of course, another game with Calvin Ridley only having three targets, uh, especially with a pass-heavy script. I mean, that's pretty disappointing. The Jags, the Jags' play calling was just atrocious. Uh, you know, it, it felt like the Niners just kind of knew where everything was going. I think they were the supremely better coach team, and and this was yet another reminder to me that. Jacksonville's good. They'll, they'll make the playoffs, hopefully. Uh, they'll, they'll be frisky. They're still a team that I, I don't think you want to play, especially in Jacksonville. But there is a gap, uh, Jeff, between teams like San Francisco and Philly and Kansas City and Baltimore um, and then a team like Jacksonville that is firmly Tier 2, if, if not even Tier 3 after this. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that, unfortunately. I, I was wrong about this game. I thought the Jags were kind of – you know, they had that good stretch before the bye, and like yeah. they were able to get through all the, the, the travel days and all that. and. Better times were ahead, and nope, I, I was completely, utterly wrong about that one there. Indy, New England. This was a game that was what Germany declared war on us after subjecting them to that game. Uh, just a horrible, horrible, horrible game. Uh, 
at least if especially if you're a Pats fan, uh, just horrific offense. Again, Mac Jones was just an inexcusable uh, oh. interception in the end zone uh, or red zone. I should say just short of the end zone. The, the problem was it wasn't in the end zone. It was such yeah, a right. bad throw. Um, and then Bailey Zappi ending the game with the fake spike interception. <laughs> I mean, what a perfect way to end that stupid game. I mean, just, oh, yeah. it's, it's stupid. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. That was, it was such a perfect ending to that game. Yeah, it was it was so shocking to see all of a sudden Bailey's happy come in because you know it's not like Mac Jones got hurt. Like of all time to bench your, your quarterback, it's like all right, it's the desperation drive at the end of the game. Zappy, get in. You're you're leading us to victory here. Yeah. Uh yeah, the fake fake spike was comical. Uh the throw into like quadruple coverage, also comical. Yeah. Uh I mean, this was this was about what we expected, right? We we also used the the Colts minus two in the circuit contest. A little bit more of a sweat than we wanted it to be. I thought the Colts would actually be able to score a little bit more yeah. on New England. This is this is the first time all year that the Colts have not scored 20 points in a game. So I, I guess in a roundabout way, credit to the New England defense. Uh, but, you know, it was not a, a banner day for Minshew. He threw a pick as well. Jonathan Taylor saw the vast majority of the snaps at running back for Indy. Finally, Zach Moss only had one carry in this yeah. game. But Taylor, 23 carries for 69 yards with a long of 10. Uh, he could not get anything going once again. But you, you like to see the increase in snaps, at least, if you're a Jonathan Taylor owner. Uh, Pats racked up 167 rush yards, 4.6 yards per carry. That was that was kind of the the one saving grace, I guess, for New England. Is it, this was the first time in a long time where we saw you know significant holes, or at, at least Ramondre Stevenson not being like hit you know one yard after the line of scrimmage. So they they seem to be making some minor minor progress uh, in that regard. But I mean, New England, this is a, a bottom three, bottom four team right now, and I think any. Any conversation about them snapping out of this, of, of Bill Belichick, you know, finding a way because he's Bill Belichick, they've lost six out of seven. You know, uh, they, they are at the Giants next week. That should be a winnable game. A after that, I, I don't know if they win another one, man. I mean, this this is just a, a catastrophic season for New England. And we say it every week at this point, but it, it's still, it, it's it's jarring, you know, just where this franchise has been for the last 20 years to to see them, you know, kind of at the bottom of the league right now. But it it's a reminder that it, everything is cyclical and, you know, you're, you're, you can't be sitting on top for that long. I mean, most teams have a, what? three to five year run new england did it for 20 years yeah I, I saw some quotes from like robert Kraft being disappointed in this season I'm like <laughs> you know what shut up just shut up you yeah, had you're okay. a good run you're you're fine yeah it, it sucks now but welcome to the underworld there you know yeah. it's not everything you touch turns to gold turns out who knew um yeah i was disappointed in the colts offensive output um the pats though i mean they I mean, they were moving the ball between the 20s better, but they'd always get sacked on third down or they'd, you know, have a bad throw or something like that. Um, let's move on from that game because we've said enough. About please, that game. please. Um, fun game. Minnesota Vikings. Joshua Dobbs. Fun if you're a Vikings fan. Not fun if you're um, a Saints fan, except you got to see the full Jameis Winston experience in this one in the second half of this game. Uh, what a treat, right? To to get some Jameis. Uh, obviously, he came in and threw two picks. Uh, about what you expect, but the offense, the offense had an immediate spark yep. once Jameis Winston came into this game. A much needed spark because Minnesota led this game twenty four to three at the half. They went up twenty seven three earlier in the second half. After that, the New Orleans defense finally clamped down. You know, after the Vikings go up by twenty four, uh, the, their remaining drives were punt, miss field goal, punt, 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 uh, and they they really shut it down late. You know, when they were trying to just kill clock, pretty. Pretty ineffectively, by the way. Uh, you know, they, they for as well as Josh Dobbs played in this game, they they didn't really trust him to do a whole lot. Uh, you know, late in this one, they were just kind of running Ty Chandler into the line after Alexander Madison went out with a concussion. And the Saints, you know, had their opportunities, but yeah, you know, that that's the the big difference, I guess, with with Derek Carr, where it's like, all right, we we need you to drive 80 yards to get us a touchdown. Derek Carr is just going to keep checking it down. The complete other end of the spectrum is Jameis Winston, who, when you need six yards, is going to try to get you 36 yards. And that's where he got into some trouble uh, in this game. But, it, I mean, it turned into a more fun second half than we thought. I mean, New Orleans had legitimate chances to to tie it late. Uh, you know, A.T. Perry, the rookie, stepped in for Michael Thomas, who I think Michael Thomas played like two snaps in this game. He was out on the first drive. Uh, so we saw a lot more A.T. Perry, you know, a lot more Chris Olave. Very down games for both Taysom Hill and Rashid Shahid. You know, Shahid especially has been boomer bust all year, so you, you kind of know what you're signing up for there. But uh, Jason Hill had strung together three or four really effective games in a row. Yeah, I think that'd be a good spot for him. Only played 20 snaps. Well, I, I think that some of that's the Jameis effect too, and also the fact that they were down so far. Uh, you know, right. when you can't you can't do the ball control running game thing uh, when you're when you're chasing points like that. Um, Winston al unlocked Olave. That was one thing. Chris Olave zero targets in the first half. Let me repeat that. 
Zero targets in the first half for Chris Olave. What are we even doing here? I know Olave is part fault for some of the shortcomings earlier in this year, uh, but my goodness, just a travesty. Uh, now, they're on bye this week and week 11, so they, they'll come back in week 12, and they said that Carr will probably be back by then. He uh, has a concussion, and he also hurt his shoulder again, but they said it wasn't serious on the shoulder. I mean, mm-hmm. I think they're maybe better off with Winston uh, with all that comes with him. I Well, they have, they have the bye week coming up, so I, I think there's a pretty good chance Derek Carr will, will end up being okay for week 12, but yeah, yeah I, it's hard not to think the same thing, right? I mean, obviously there is there's more variance with Jameis Winston and a lot of that variance could be negative, but it, it feels like the saints just need that at this point. It's like, they can, they can beat the bad teams. They're good enough to do that with Derek Carr. But when, if, if you're in a game like this, where your, your defense has given up 24 points in the first half, like Derek Carr is just not the quarterback who's going to lead you in, in a comeback. And you could argue that Jameis Winston is going to throw you out of more games and he's going to win you. I, I could be receptive to that. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I, I would bet internally, there are some players on this team that would rather have Jameis Winston just because he's at least willing to take the chances that Derek Carr is not. Uh, we saw a, a lot of the classic performative anger from Derek Carr, you know, on, on failed third downs. He's yeah, demonstratively unstrapping his helmet and just looking upset. It's like, that doesn't solve anything, man. I mean, this is like eight games now that we've seen this year uh, where, where the offense looks about the same. Um, on the Minnesota side of things, not much of a drop-off to Josh Jobs, man. 23 of 34, 268 yards, threw a touchdown, ran for a touchdown. The mobility Obviously, he's not the he's not the player Kirk Cousins is overall. We're not making that case, but what he offers you in terms of being able to move around, eight for forty-four, ran into touchdown, had a couple just you know miracle escapes from sacks in this game. Like that's that's not something that Kirk Cousins gives you. That's a new dimension for this offense. T.J. Hawkinson, eleven catches for one hundred thirty-four yards and a score. Somehow a disappointing final line, Jeff, because he had ten catches in the first half, which is the yeah. most by by a tight end and a half since Dallas Clark, uh, all the way back in like two thousand nine. Yeah. Um, that's right. And he was banged up again. Uh, and this one, he came into the game already kind of hurting with his ribs. Yep. At one point you saw him on the sideline, taking his helmet off and all that. You're like, uh Oh, um, so yeah. maybe something to look into going this upcoming week there. They get uh Denver and Chicago next. So pretty, you know, games where they should at very least be competitive. They could be yeah. eight and four going into their bye. Um, they, no, they very well could be They're in there in the driver's seat for that seventh spot right now in the NFC, right? I mean, they, right. they're a game and a half up on, on Tampa Bay. They're two games up on Washington and Atlanta. Uh, I mean, I, I, you feel pretty good. I, I think if you're Minnesota, although, you know, New Orleans, it, the, the, I think they'll still end up being okay just by virtue of this division being so, so bad. And I, I think they only have one, uh, one opponent remaining with a winning record on their mm-hmm. schedule. So that's going to help them. But I mean, Minnesota, we could keep going out, right? I mean, they, Broncos, Bears, Raiders are their next three games. I mean, they, they could win all three of those. It does stiffen up a little bit. They play the Lions twice in the final three weeks. They play at Cincinnati in mid-December, but they do get a home game against Green Bay. That should be very winnable. Um, I mean, they, mm-hmm. they could pretty easily go, you know, I'm trying to do the mental math here very poorly. I mean, they, they could go like four and three the rest of the way, and that's probably good enough for that seventh spot. Especially with head-to-head wins over Atlanta and New Orleans. I mean, those are right. big. Those are, those are really big. Um, and the, the win over the Niners was massive for them there. That yep. just saved their season. Uh, yep. So. Hard to overstate the, the the importance of that one there. But, uh, yeah, good vibes all around for the Vikings right now. And no one really thought that when they started off 0-3. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty wild there. Um, we are on the Blue Wire Network. Before we get to Cleveland and uh, Baltimore, let's uh, hear the ads from the Blue Wire Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, thank you for your indulgence on that. Uh, Browns and Ravens. My one solace of the Bengals losing mm. this week was seeing the Ravens gack a big league against the, the Browns. Man. Improbable, totally improbable. At halftime of this game, Deshaun Watson was 6 of 20 for 79 yards and a pick six. Um, he was 14 of 14 in the second half. He, he was that's the quarterback they traded for all of a sudden that came on some big scrambles in there yep. they had a lucky pick six they had to get there still uh but the the fact is the cleveland defense came as advertised in the second half the, the ravens only ran like 47 plays um they, you know i almost think like they, i think they got into this whole we're cruising mindset again we're yeah. at home we're cruising took their foot off the gas a little bit I, I don't want to read too much into this for the long term for the Ravens, I, but it, it was a massive win for the Browns. Massive win, unlikely win. I mean, it was twenty-four to nine, Baltimore. Uh, you know, well into the second half, uh, the the Browns scored a touchdown to make it a seven-point game. But that was a ten-plus minute drive, seventeen plays yep. by Cleveland. So I mean, they didn't finish off that drive until like two minutes left in the third quarter. You, you still felt like Baltimore was in control. They they scored a touchdown with about eleven and a half minutes left. That was the Gus Edwards one yard run, uh, but Cleveland answered that right away. And then the, the pick six, I mean, that was just, uh, just an egregious play by Lamar. Um, you know, yep. just pretty, pretty inexcusable in that spot. Uh, you know, second and eight, it, it's not like that was a desperation, you know, third and 16 and you just got to get a first down. I mean, it was just kind of a, a lazy throw, a lazy play. Uh, just almost feel like he just kind of went out on autopilot for a moment. And, you know, Cleveland even tried to, to give the Ravens a break after that. They missed the extra point that would have tied yep. the game. So Baltimore still leading after that play. They, they end up punting on their next drive. Uh, and then we see Cleveland go down for that ultimate game-winning field goal. Uh, I mean, Baltimore, every loss this season has kind of been like this, right? I mean, they've they've only yeah. trailed uh, for for something like, like sixteen minutes all year. Um, you know, every other team that that has those numbers through ten weeks uh, has basically been like undefeated or has one loss, and they've now lost three games this year, all in similar fashion. Uh, ben Solak from the Ringer had a good stat on the Ravens over the last two regular seasons. They've lost seven games with Lamar Jackson healthy. And they've had at least a 75% win probability in the fourth quarter of all seven of those games. And at least a 90% win probability in the fourth quarter in five of seven. That's just astounding. Just astounding. Um, let's talk Keaton Mitchell. Had that 39-yard touchdown run. He had a catch for 32 yards. He got 11 snaps. What's, yeah. I I understand some certain semblance of loyalty to your team, you know, to what your other players, but... And I know they didn't have a ton. I know they didn't have a ton of offensive plays. But that's inexcusable. They they just they they, yeah. they I don't I don't I really just don't understand what they're doing here. Um, you know, Justice Hill got 13 snaps too, so it wasn't like he was on the field a lot and he barely touched right. the ball. But you know, you've got a playmaker. You got to use him. I mean, that it's. I I know I'm trying to find things to criticize the Ravens at about at some points, but I figure you know the genie's out of the bottle. You got to use him more. Yeah, I, I, the only thing I could think of is, you know, he was still kind of nagged by that hamstring later yeah. in the week, but it, did, it certainly didn't look like it, right, when he was out there. I mean, 13 snaps is, is pretty wild. It actually ended up being a, a similar split to what we saw last week. We Gus Edwards, 28, Hill, 14, Keaton Mitchell, 13 yesterday. Um, but, I mean, by far, they're most explosive back. Like, I, I think the the HN yeah. comparisons are, are legit. Like, it, especially when you, you see them in contrast to Edwards and Hill, who, you know, are, are just kind of more your, your classic style of running back. So you think of, with the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, Keaton Mitchell is one catch, went for 32 yards. He ripped off a 39-yard touchdown run. Like, he he absolutely looked the part in, in those 13 snaps. You'd like to see a little bit more of that. Um, you know, good day for Jerome Ford, 17 for 107 for him. 
Uh, Kareem Hunt, not efficient, but got his touchdown, you know, from the one yard line. He goes 10 for 32. And, you know, no other major notes for me here. Odell Beckham, you know, didn't play very many snaps, was only targeted twice. One of those went for a 40 yard touchdown. Say Flowers had a nice day. Rashad Bateman actually played a ton of snaps, didn't really do anything with said snaps. Um, and then on the Cleveland side, Amari Cooper just continues to be one of the more underrated veteran receivers in the league. Absolutely. And their schedule is going to ease up finally a little bit too. So Jim Coventry's Browns futures are starting to look pretty decent yeah. there. So, if, um, if Deshaun Watson looks like he did in the second half, then yes, I think that was, I wouldn't say it was his best game of the year in total. No. I think it was like week two or week three. He looked pretty good. Um, but yeah, second half. I mean, that was, he looked, he looked like a little more, more agile to be a little more willing to run. You know, it feels like he's kind of been more of like a bruising type of runner since coming to Cleveland. Uh, whereas yeah. like you look back at like his Houston highlights, I mean, he's running away from guys. He's making plays in the open field. And we, we saw a little bit more of that yesterday. Yeah. I mean, but it was so bad for Watson that, uh, you know, PJ Walker is warming up on the sideline at one point. In yeah. Time. I think he even played one snap, but I think that might've just been an injury thing or something like yeah. that real quick. Uh, but yeah, good times ahead for Cleveland. That Baltimore Cincy game, huge game now. It's so desperation for both teams. So uh, we'll see. Got a bad feeling about that one, but we'll move on from that one. There will we'll, plenty more Bengals Ravens talk as we uh, go throughout the week. Uh, Pittsburgh Green Bay. Uh, this is one where once again the Steelers get outgained and win. They're six and three now, and it's the same script every week. Every single week, it's the same for the Steelers. All they do is is win games by like exactly four points. Uh, we we were on Steelers minus three. Uh, took them in staff picks. Took them in my article. I, I didn't love the number. Uh, but luckily Green Bay, you know, uh, missed an extra point. And that's the reason that this was a four point game instead of a three point game. Uh, but you're right. I, I actually, I was pretty impressed by how Green Bay played offensively in this one. I, I thought this would be a spot where, you know, there'd be a big kind of comeback from what we saw last week against the Rams and they actually moved the ball. I, I think this was, you know, Jordan Love finished 21 of 40. He had two picks. This is the best he's looked to me for a complete game in a while. It was taking more shots downfield. The Packers had four different receivers catch a pass of at least 20 yards. And three of those four went for 30 plus. I mean, that's just not something that we've seen uh, out of the Packers offense. AJ Dillon did the unthinkable and had a 40 yard rush in this one. He goes nine for 70, uh, saw a lot of Aaron Jones. He was not super effective, you know, felt like Pittsburgh was prepared for that. Uh, but yeah. really the, the Packers run defense, I think was, was the biggest liability on their side. I mean, they Rob Domofsky of uh, ESPN had a good stat. They allowed 3.6 yards per rush before Ooh. contact to Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. 3.6 yards before contact. Najee Harris has been getting hit in the backfield consistently every single week, and Green Bay just could not do it. I mean, those two guys combined for 183 rushing yards on 31 carries. Both were over five yards per attempt for the day. Both had touchdowns, uh, and that made up for the fact that Kenny Pickett looked awful and the, the, the Steelers could not throw the ball whatsoever. Yeah, um, those Pickens and Deontay Johnson shares are just shriveling up there. It's yeah. just, I mean, a week after Deontay Johnson had a huge game, finally broke his touchdown slump. He goes for one. He goes one for seventeen yards on four targets. Pickens gets four targets. What what team has their top receivers get four targets apiece? That's that's where we're at right now with that. Ah, uh, just ugh. I mean, fourteen I, completions for Pickett. Man, it was it was brutal. It was yeah. it was awful. I mean, Pittsburgh lucky to get over three hundred yards of total offense. Uh, obviously, the passing game didn't contribute much of that. Yeah, they two interceptions late saved the game for the Steelers here, but this game was in doubt the whole way. But a lot of people actually found Pittsburgh as their their Bengals pivot, if you will, in mm -hmm. Survivor. And good for them, bad for me. But yeah. uh, and the the best part about that is now you don't have to worry about the Steelers anymore. You've picked them, you've gotten by, and you can move on. But they they're six and three. They're going to be like that team that will get crushed in the playoffs, but they're going to get there. I think they're going to get there. Yeah. I mean, the AFC North is going to be so much fun down the stretch. I don't think Cincinnati is going anywhere. Yesterday's result aside, um, a couple other notes from this game. Christian Watson is now down to an NFL worst 42% catch rate on his targets yeah. this season. That is the worst by far by any qualified player. Mm -hmm. uh, Jordan Love has thrown five interceptions targeting Christian Watson this season. I, some people were getting on Watson for the one at the end of the game. I, I don't know what Watson's supposed to do there. That was just kind of a, you got to get it to the goal line thing. Uh, you know, kind of similar to what we saw, uh, like the, the Dak CD lamb play last week where that one was right. completed, but you know, Pittsburgh had guys just like blanketing the entire goal line and the entire end zone. It's not like it was a bad throw or a bad play by Watson, but the point remains that he's just, he's not a, he's not a contested catch guy whatsoever. And right. he basically has to be wide open or he's not bringing it in. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That is who he is at this point in time in his career. Yep. Uh, 
Before we get to the uh, all the glory that was Tampa Bay and Tennessee, quick note from our friends at Circa. Get ready for the ultimate big game parties at Circa Resort and Casino. Super Sunday is in Las Vegas this year. Watch the big game poolside at Stadium Swim's big game viewing party. Massive scream, screen, booming game sound, and a view of the pyrotechnic and visual effects throughout the game. Snag the best seat in the sun with daybeds, poolside boxes, cabanas, and more. Or touch down at the world's largest sports book, Circus Sports, for the big game bash. Three stories of football glory, featuring a 78 million pixel screen. Book your seat with a variety of reservation options, including bottle service, open bar, stadium-style food, and more. Don't miss these legendary viewing experiences on February 11th. The big game parties, only at Circa Resort and Casino. Reserve today at CircaLasVegas.com. All right. Um, Tampa Bay uh, did what they had to against Tennessee. This game was actually probably less competitive than the 20-6 to score indicated, too. Yeah, it really was. Tampa Bay, you know, had multiple opportunities to to open this one up even wider, uh, really throughout the game, but especially in the second half. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield was was picked on, on Tampa's first drive of the game. That came after the the only score uh, early on for Tennessee. They got a field goal on their first drive, but yeah, this was this was this was ugly for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, you know, Will Levis, I, w- I wouldn't say he was necessarily the the issue. There was just not a lot open for him. Nineteen of thirty nine for one ninety nine and a pick. Uh, you know, the running game gave them absolutely nothing. Derrick Henry, mm-hmm. 11 for 24. Tajay Spears, 5 for 18. Uh, Tajay Spears actually actually won the the snap count 38 to 27 in this one. Uh, you know, Tennessee going with a, a little bit more of a, a pass-heavy approach in the second half. Uh, not a whole lot else to say on the Tennessee side of things. You know, Chigakonkwo continues to lose some snaps to, to guys like Josh Shile and Trevon Wesco. Not, that's not a good sign for him. If anybody still believes in, in Akonkwo, I think most people are kind of out on him by now. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned earlier, Mike Evans dropped one of the easiest touchdowns of the season. Still had a big day. He's wide receiver 12 on the year in PPR, wide receiver 7 in standard leagues. Uh, another decent day for Rashad White as well. I mean, was was not overly effective on the ground, 20 for 51, but 2 for 47, had a long 43-yarder and a touchdown. So uh, the running game remains a, a glaring weakness to me for Tampa, but they're, they're at least kind of getting a little bit more creative and, and trying to find ways to get Rashad white going. Yeah, uh, they are. And white white's been a, a, you know, solid player in fantasy for a, a while. I mean, it, the interior running games crap, but it's yeah. not on him. It, it's clearly, it's this, the, the run blocking of the offensive line. Cause none of the alternatives have done any better. And, you know, Chase Edmonds four for nine yesterday. You know, they, they you know, we, we no longer use thinking about Tucker. He Tucker's rarely activated anymore. Yeah. Um, but White always catches a few passes. In fact, two for 47 is actually kind of a disappointment for him, but he did score on that one long touchdown, so it made it yeah. all worth it. Um, but he, he's been solid. It's, you know, going into the season, it was always Godwin and Evans are kind of like considered a toss up. Evans has clearly won that war. Um, yep. Yet he had, as you alluded to, one of the worst drops of the season. It was almost too open. I guess was was yeah. the issue for Evans, but so you'll, you'll take the six for one forty three and a score. His uh, I guess kind of late late career breakout season, unexpected breakout season continues. Uh, contract you know, year, well, contract year, um, and you know continues to you know slowly ascend up like the all time touchdown list. Like, yeah. I, I mean, he's like knocking on the door of like top ten of all time uh, in terms of of touchdown receptions. And has done it with so many quarterbacks, so many situations over the years. Uh, you know, interested to see what he's going to have left in the tank beyond this year, because I think the way he's played, there's going to be some interest this off season. No other real notes for me here. Uh, you know, Tennessee just, I mean, they had like 209 yards, I think of total offense. Yeah. So that's just 3.5 yards per play. Uh, there's not, not going to be a lot of fantasy takeaways there. The home Titans road Titans thing just holds up every single time. It seems like Crazy. Mike Evans, is he a hall of famer? Ooh, uh, in my mind. Yes. I, I, I think I'm a little bit more generous with stuff like this. He's got the ring. Uh, mm-hmm. the numbers, I think the numbers are going to be there, uh, especially if he can, if he can just turn in like two more decent years before like the, the usual wide receiver fall off in your, your kind of early to mid thirties. I, I think he's going to have a really strong case. Um, but it, it's going to be the most like touchdown dependent case that we've seen. Not that the yards haven't been there, but he's always, he's always been more of a touchdown guy versus, you know, someone like right. Julio Jones, who's going to bank on the yards. Right. Kind of opposite career pass there, which is kind of yeah, really. interesting. Um, okay. Let's move on to you know, the best fantasy game of the day, and that was uh, Lions and the uh, Chargers lived up to the hype as far as like ticket to the carnival sort of game. Yep. Everybody got involved. Just 
The Lions, every single one of their drives ended in Chargers territory. Every single one of them. They did not have like a three and out on their own side of the uh, of the ball. I mean, they had fourth and five. We're going to run it at you and convert plays. I mean, it was just, it was audacious. It was bold. Um, and it worked. I mean, you know, perfect, you know, perfect illustration is just the end of the game. Instead yeah. of like, okay, it's fourth down. We'll kick the field goal and hope to hold on. They're like, no, we're going to convert this fourth down. We're going to run clock and then kick the uh, game-winning field goal with no time left. Sure enough, they converted that pass to Laporta. Game over. It, w- it was a, a Dan Campbell masterclass, at least on offense, at least. Yeah, it was. I mean, they, they were in comfortable field goal range at that point. They were at the LA 26-yard line, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, most teams would take that. Uh, but there was a minute 47 left. So you would have been kicking it back to, to Justin Herbert with probably minute 30, minute 35 on the clock, which the way – the way the Detroit defense have been playing, uh, I, I understand the decision by Campbell. It was a great play call. You know, Laporta just kind of sitting down, just past the sticks. And, you know, there were Chargers defenders around him, uh, but they were late to react and ended up being a, a relatively easy throw for Jared Goff. Uh, I mean, to say that this was the the ticket to the Carnival game is almost an understatement. Uh, there was a, at one point in this game, Jeff, there were 11 consecutive drives that went touchdown, 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 punt, touchdown, 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 game-winning field goal. I mean, That's there was there, it was all offense. And uh, the Lions defense did not play well. There were there was 954 yards of total <laughs> offense between these two teams, but the LA defense was somehow even worse. And you know, Khalil Mack said after the game, he's like, "Yeah, we we prepared for one game plan, and Detroit did, did the complete opposite." So I don't I don't know if you read that as okay, good job by Detroit, or what the hell are you doing, Brandon Staley? Because you you clearly just yeah. prepared for the wrong thing, and it it certainly looked that way. I mean, the the amount of big plays that the Lions had, especially early in drives, like it was you know LA would score a touchdown, kick it back, and then Detroit is like. Right, right away, they're at like the the twenty two yard line of the Chargers. Like, right, if right. not running it all, if not if not taking it all the way, like David Montgomery, the Lions had six players rip off a play of at least twenty yards on the ground or through the air. Uh, I mean, it was just it was easy. It was easy throws and catches. It was easy runs. You know, Gibbs looked great. Montgomery looked great. Uh, a lot of his work came on that seventy five yarder, which I believe was the first play of a drive. Um, but yep. you know, I, I also came away from this game just being amazed once again with Justin Herbert. He ends up on the losing end. You know, we're, we're going to talk about the Chargers like we always do. They're four and five. He was unbelievable in this game. Some of the, like the, the level of difficulty throws, you know, the escapability was not sacked once in this game, despite being under siege. Uh, you know, Jared Goff played well in his own right. But I mean, this was a wow game from Justin Herbert. Yeah. No sacks between the two teams uh, yeah. in this game. Herbert kept this as a one score game. If if not for his heroics there, the you know, because they cannot run the ball in short yardage situations God, at no. all. Um, you know, their, their interior offensive line is just horrible. Just horrible. Yeah. They scored a touchdown. It took them eight plays from the one. They had like three three plays that failed. Mm-hmm. They got a pass PI call on fourth down. So another set of downs. And it took all the way to the fourth down play where Quentin Johnson finally got hit pay dirt. Uh, but yeah, it, it was it was really frustrating uh, watching Eckler get stuffed consistently at the goal line there. Uh, they tried they, they tried a couple of quarterback sneaks. Those weren't working. Um, they just, they can't get any push up the middle at all. Yeah. So uh, they, they had a 16 play drive where eight plays were from inside the six yard line. Yeah. At one point. I mean, right. that, that, that was, that was the Chargers offense. And they, they also scored what was at the time, the game time touchdown uh, on a fourth out. Right. Yep. I mean, in a situation where, you know, they, I believe they tried to run Eckler up the gut on third down, he was stuffed and they, they clearly were not comfortable going with that again. So, you know, you're asking Justin Herbert to, to make a play in a difficult situation. And speaking of fourth downs, by the way, I mean, just to add to the craziest of this game, Detroit and LA combined to go seven of eight on fourth down. That's for the crazy. Game. It was That's insane. Just, it was just unbelievable. It's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, Detroit's defense, you know, they, they got it. Their secondary needs some help. Um, they, they got toasted on the regular by Keenan Allen. Uh, but opposing defenses are doing uh, opposing elite receivers are doing the same thing to the Chargers week after week, whether it's Tyreek Hill or it's Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, Travis Kelsey one week. The top receiver on the opposing team seems to have a massive day. If you just have a baseline, of minimum uh, competent quarterback play, not not talking to you, Jets, uh, but uh, anybody else like you got an elite receiver. They're going to have a day. C.D. Lamb had a day against them. Uh, it kind of started the whole yeah. unlocking of the Dallas passing offense. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, St. Brown is up to wide receiver seven now on the year in PPR, mm-hmm. and that's with a missed game and a bye. Uh, yep. So, you know, ranks even higher on a per game basis, but 30.5 PPR points for him yesterday. Uh, to both of these teams, to me, still searching for a second receiver. 
you know, Quentin Johnston went four for 34, got his first touchdown. That's nice. Jalen Guyton had a score as well. Never really felt like either of those guys were truly established. It was pretty much Keenan Allen or bust. And Keenan Allen actually went out of this game for a little bit. And it looked like, oh boy, this this might be Detroit's you know chance to finally get a stop here. But he came back, you know, was responsible for that touchdown on mm-hmm. fourth down. Um, and a very similar split for Detroit. You know, St. Brown, eight for 156. And then, you know, Khalif Raymond, Sam Laporta, Brock Wright, you know, Jamison Williams, Josh Reynolds, all those guys, you know, two or three catches for, you know, 20 to 40 yards. But uh, we did not see Donovan Peoples-Jones, by the way. He was inactive yet again. I think it's a rib injury for him. Yeah. Um, so he's yet to make his Detroit debut. Um, and Gerald Everett, by the way, did not play in the second half, uh, who I foolishly used in my DraftKings contest uh, with a back injury. So something to monitor there on the Charger side. Yeah. Uh, Jamison Williams, biggest impact was blocking downfield on Montgomery's long run. That was pretty, it was pretty cool to see him hustling like that. And I'm yeah. sure that earned him some points and maybe even some snaps later on, but he's just not a part of the offense on a, on a regular basis. And, uh, just, I need him. I need some justification for rostering him in my, that dynasty league that we we're talking about. Um, let's move on to another fun game. Although it didn't start off as fun, uh, Seattle and Washington, this game for about three quarters was really frustrating. Uh, from a fancy perspective, I used, I used, uh, I, I, I used three components in my DFS, my DraftKings lineup here. Uh, I used, um, Sam Howell. I used Terry McLaurin. I used DK Metcalf. Two of the three of those really were super disappointing for about 55 minutes. Uh, McLaurin got a couple catches late to salvage something at yeah. least, but Metcalf, it weren't, if it weren't for that last drive, he would have had a bad fantasy day too. Yeah. I mean, what a what a catch and run by DK to to set up what what was the game winning field goal. Yeah, um, you know, just a really nice route, and then you know, kind of able to run through a couple of tackles, tacked on probably ten or fifteen more yards. And it, you know, you're listening to the live call, and they're saying, "Go down, get down." Oh, and I, so I think I think they're glad. I mean, they they executed that perfectly. I, I think he went down with sixteen seconds. I mean, that's if you have a, a competent veteran quarterback and a good coaching staff, sixteen seconds is no problem to get down there and get the spike off. Seattle executed it perfectly, was able to walk it off on the kick. Um, you know, decent day for Geno Smith, who ended with 369 yards. You know, the two touchdowns, both of those come in a little bit later. That's fine. I, I still didn't think Geno looked all that great. Uh, Seattle really struggled on third downs. There were so many third downs that somehow ended with Geno, like, you know, desperately about to step out of bounds and just kind of throwing the ball away. Seattle was already 30th in the NFL in third down percentage coming into this past week. And, you know, they were 4 of 14 on third down, whereas Washington was 7 of 15. That was that was a way that, that Washington was able to hang around. But Seattle got, got to almost 500 yards of total offense. Like, they, they probably should have had more points on the board in this game. Kenneth Walker, 19 for 63. We saw a decent amount of Charbonnet as well. He looked good, 6 for 44. Uh, Kenneth Walker also had the, the, the long catch and run uh, for a 64-yard touchdown as well to, to salvage what was a nice fantasy day for him. Uh, but I, I'm still... So just a little wanting on, on Seattle. Like this was a game that they, I agree. they it probably should not have come down to a last second field goal. I a hundred percent agree. Um, the kind of a miracle drive at the end for the uh, yeah. commanders where Diami Brown made a nice cut on the, on the, the tying touchdown there. And you know, you know, the, the commander, I mean, first of all, for Gino, first of all, it, it's the center square. It's the free square that you get. If you, if you don't put up numbers against the commanders, we got problems. Uh, secondly, you're absolutely right about TK Metcalf. Um, the, the, now my reaction was the exact same listening to the announcer. Got to go down. Don't be greedy. No, you needed those 10 yards. Jason Myers from 53 is not a sure thing in the rain. Come on. Are you kidding me? No, get those yards. Uh, DK did. It might've been longer. I mean, mean, it was still a 43 yarder. I I think Metcalf picked up, you know, like I said, 10, 15 yards. I mean, you would have been looking at probably a 55 yarder at best. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I thought he did the right thing there. I mean, I, I was actually kind of shocked at how how much they were getting on him. Um, but yeah, t- two big catches for Metcalf. You know, he had a 17 yarder earlier in that drive to to kind of get them in position to to be able to take a shot over the middle uh, and get down with with time on the clock. Uh, but you know, this is kind of what Seattle does. They're six and three. They they do it much differently than Pittsburgh, but neither of these teams necessarily feel like they should be at six and three right now. Right. Uh, we did see, by the way, Charbonnet out snapped Kenneth Walker in this game. Walker still owned the early downs, uh, but Charbonnet was the exclusive third down back for Seattle. Uh, Walker's getting the ball a ton when he's on the field. It's almost getting to the point where it's like a tell for Seattle. Uh, but but Charbonnet's been you know the more effective back of late, partially I mean, maybe be, because he's in you know slightly better situations on third downs. Right. But the yards per carry has been better. You know he's picked up significantly more first downs per carry than Walker has. Uh, but I, I thought Walker looked pretty good. Like, it's not really a knock on him. I, I think Seattle has two legit backs. 
Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right that Walker Tick gets the hard carries and uh, Charbonnet comes in and hitters counts. You know, it, it's yep. the whole Tony exactly. Pollard thing all over again here again. So kind of see that there. Uh, yeah, um, commanders are just how how is, you know, didn't throw any picks today, uh, yesterday, did get sacked three times. He does enough that he sh still should be starting, but mm -hmm. I, I also don't think he's good enough to be your future. I think you need to start. You should be thinking of that succession planning too, and I feel the same about yep. Gino. Um, they're they're part of the vast middle of the NFL, mm -hmm. um, and better than being you know the, you're not the Giants at least. Hey, mm -hmm. segue. Let's talk Giants and Cowboys. Oh boy, get it over with. Yeah, man. Uh, Dallas had 640 yards of total offense. They oh. were outgaining the Giants by over 500 yards at one point uh, in the second half. Uh, the, the Giants. You know, put together some semi-competent drives toward the end of the game, but this one, this one went about as expected. You know, it got it got a little messy early on when you know Dallas had a couple of punts, Dak threw like a, a bizarre interception uh, that looked like it was going to take points off the board. But I mean, Dallas was able to basically effortlessly move the ball down in, in big chunks throughout the entire game. Uh, Cowboys also had a ton of penalties. Like this probably mm -hmm. could have been worse. Nine penalties for eighty-three yards. Uh, of course, somehow. Despite Dallas putting up 49 points, it was a huge letdown game from Tony Pollard. Again, so, so a lot more, a lot more Rico Dowdle, uh, as the Cowboys hinted we would. Uh, obviously, he was the guy in there late. Once this got out of hand, great day for Brandon Cooks, nine for 173 and a touchdown. CD Lamb continues his ascent. Uh, basically, I think like a month ago, Jeff, you called him out on the XM show, and ever since then, 41, 28, 40 PPR points for CD Lamb over the last three weeks. I mean, he's vaulted himself back into that, you know, maybe not best receiver in the league, but in that conversation right now uh, based yeah. on his production. And Jake Ferguson feels like he gets a touchdown every week now. He's he's now a, a legit top 10 tight end. He is. And, uh, you know, it's just, he's, he's a set and forget it player. And I love having that there in the leagues that I have him because you weren't paying that price for him. That, that's the best part about that. It's just such relief when you find a player like that. Same with Laporta, same with Kincaid. Uh, that and I think Dalton Schultz is kind of in that conversation too now. Uh, yeah. Having one of those guys, it's just it's such a relief that you don't have to scramble there every week. And uh, is this a Cole Komet goes off week or is this a Cole Komet gets shut out week? You know, or do I start Darnold Parham uh, or Gerald Everett as you suggested uh. there? I mean, it's it's frustrating. Trey yeah. McBride's entering that conversation too, by the way. And hey, that's our next game. Um, I don't think there's much else to say about Dallas no, and God, no. that went, it, it went as expected. All right. Yeah. I mean, if you took, if you took Dallas minus 16 and a half, you, you felt pretty good about it by like midway through the second quarter. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Let's, let's move on to Arizona Atlanta. Cause there's a lot more meat to chew on on this one here. Uh, first of all, Trey McBride did go off, but that's burying the lead because Kyler Murray was great. Not maybe not great, but he was very good in his, uh, his return to action. The thing I liked seeing was just all the running. Um, just, Seeing him run, you know, some scrambles. He looked like shot yeah. out of the cannon at times. Six for 33 on the ground with that touchdown where he's just an expert ball fake. Uh, 19 of 32 passing. I mean, this is this was kind of a game was back and forth. Arizona was trailing in the th and got to, to finally took the lead in the third quarter. Uh, Atlanta rallied for a lead, but it was too little too late. Arizona wins. And uh, got to say, I, I was just pretty impressed with uh, how Arizona rallied under Kyler Murray. Yeah, impressed with Arizona. Uh, they got a huge defensive stop uh, on a fourth down midway through the fourth quarter. That was that was huge. You know, yeah. at, at the time, uh, Atlanta was was pushing to to take the lead, which they eventually did on their next drive, but uh, left a little bit too much time for Kyler in that offense. To about two minutes thirty seconds on the clock, they go down, uh, executed that final drive perfectly, got into comfortable mm -hmm. field goal range, and uh, Matt Prater basically just had to hit an extra point. Uh, I, I had two things written at the top of my notes for this one. One. Atlanta is terrible. They cannot be trusted too. Like yeah. you said, Kyler Murray looked like Kyler Murray. That was, that was the big question coming in was, is he a little skittish? You know, is it going to take him some time to, to gain comfortability in that knee? Uh, not that I saw, man. Uh, you know, he only had 33 rushing yards, but if you counted up the amount of yards that he had scrambling around behind the line of scrimmage, it was probably well over a hundred. I mean, he, he had a couple of those, you know, Kyler plays where his legs are moving faster than anybody else, you know, escaping trouble. Uh, you, you mentioned that the, the touchdown on the read option, just a really, really nice sell. By Kyler yeah. Murray, something that's something that's subtle, but then when you see other quarterbacks do it poorly, you realize you know how great of a sell that was for him to just kind of trot in uh, when Atlanta was was kind of selling out for that very play. Uh, so I thought Kyler looked great. James Conner was back in action; he looked yes. good as well. Uh, I mean, we should mention Desmond Ritter had to come in uh, for Atlanta, and you know that the Falcons ended this game with seventy passing yards. So despite racking up one hundred eighty-five rushing yards, despite finally giving Bijan Robinson twenty-two carries, 
they just couldn't do anything through the air, which uh, it's about as expected. Yeah. Uh, yeah. T- t- even before Taylor Heineke, t- t- uh, Heineke got hurt, he was terrible. Eight for 15 for 55 yards and a touchdown, three sacks. Um, Ritter came in and they actually moved the ball a little bit. And Ritter had the uh, rushing touchdown as well. That's something he does bring to the table that Heineke really can't do. They did feed B. John, finally. 22 for 95 and a touchdown, one catch as well. Uh, Tyler Algier still had nine carries. So they, they had 41 carries in this game. Um, for not protecting a lead, that that seems like a lot. But then again, I mean, the passing game is so tragic. I don't know. I mean, just abandon all hope with Kyle Pitts and, and Drake London, I guess, is the real answer here. Yeah, I mean, London was making it work earlier this season. It was kind of a, mm-hmm. a Garrett Wilson blueprint, right? Where it's just like, yeah. well, if the volume's there and you, know, you can make enough tough catches, which we'll, we'll talk about Wilson in a moment, some of the plays he made last night. Uh, you know, Drake London had a couple difficult catches just to get his three for 36. But yeah, I, any hope that, you know, Taylor Heineke was going to step in and have this, you know, kind of Sam Howell effect on this offense where the yardage is up and, you know, maybe the mistakes are up as well, but they're at least moving the ball. Yeah, it just, it, even before he got hurt, I mean, he wasn't doing anything. Eight for 15 for 55 yards. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we move on to the nightcap here, a quick note from our friends at Splash Sports. Rotowire is proud to partner with Splash Sports for the 2023 fantasy football season. Splash Sports empowers gaming commissioners to earn by creating contests. Commissioners can set up contests, add their style, and enjoy the evolving Splash Sports platform for customized preferences. From daily to season-long contests, Splash Sports caters to various playing styles, such as DFS, Pick X, and Traditional Survivor. And unlike traditional sports books, Splash Sports pitch you against friends and family, not the house. Splash goes beyond betting, a space where friends can connect, strategize, and share in the excitement of sports. Rotowire will be running weekly DFS tiers contests on Splash Sports all season. Can you beat the Rotowire experts? Visit rotowire.com slash splash to enter today. All right, Nick, let's get to the uh, the scintillating nightcap. Uh, Raiders over the uh, Jets. The Jets have now gone 36 offensive drives, uh, so 36 drives without an offensive touchdown. Just, uh, just a monument to futility here. Yeah, I was pretty shocked when they they mentioned that stat on the telecast. I mean, it, it checks out. It is the Jets, uh, but even even by their standards, that seems like a lot. Uh, they just they could not punch one in for the life of them, man. And once once the Raiders scored their touchdown in the fourth quarter, you just felt like, how could the Jets possibly match this? Like when when they when they went down by more than three, uh, you you just kind of felt like it was over, and you were waiting all game for you know the Zach Wilson killer mistake, and boy did that come. You know, that, that interception to Robert Spillane uh, at the, the Las Vegas 15-yard line. Yep. Oh, man. It was it was the one throw all night that it felt like Wilson did not. Like, he, he has a penchant to just throw the ball as hard as he possibly can. And for whatever reason, he decided to float that one a little bit and gave Spillane just enough time to come over. I mean, he had a receiver. He had a guy open for probably an eight- or nine-yard gain if he just bullets that one in there. And yeah. he took a little bit off of it, and it was just enough for Spillane to get over and make that play. Uh, Jets still had one last gasp at the end, and – uh, you know, it actually looked like Tyler Conklin like knocked the ball out of Garrett Wilson's hands on, on the final Hail Mary. Hell of a play by Zach Wilson just to get that throw off uh, and get it to where it needed to be. But look, if we're talking about the dynamics of a Hail Mary and that's why you lost the game, uh, there, there are probably bigger issues afoot here. Jets offensive line, just still bad, still bad. Uh, Wilson was only sacked twice. So there wasn't this wasn't like a big Max Crosby takeover game. Um, but we also, <clears throat> excuse me, in what in what should be or should have been a pretty good matchup for, for the Jets to be able to run the ball 13 for 28 for Brees Hall, who just had no room all night. Yeah. It's just, and you know, the thing is, if you know, you can't get beat in the passing game, well, you're going to just put that extra guy in the box all the time. Hall has no chance. I don't think it's a on hall at all. I think it's just that, you know, they, they, they highlight him and, you know, just try, try to prevent him. Hall had three catches for 47 Garrett Wilson, nine for 93 every week. He's getting tar- I, I will say I will give Zach Wilson credit on one thing. They are feeding Garrett Wilson. They, he recognizes that Garrett Wilson is their best receiver. You're going to give him plenty of volume. So he gets there in PPR leagues on volume, even if the quality of the targets aren't very good. Yeah, I mean, the, the, some of the catches he was making, the I, I can't remember if it was a third or a fourth down. I think it was a fourth down catch that he had where he like bobbled it twice, you know, kind of made an effort to, to reach over the line uh, well securing the catch, took a hard hit over the middle. Uh, I mean, he absolutely looks the part of a, a top flight receiver. And it's, it's a shame that we didn't get to see that this year. And you know, hopefully Aaron Rodgers is, is back fully healthy next year. And, and we get the, 
you know, the year three breakout for Wilson. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's tough to see him and Brees Hall, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say go underutilized, but just, you know, not be able to take advantage of the weapons that they have on this offense. And right. uh, you know, Jets defense for the most part did what it needed to. I mean, the, the Raiders were actually the team that was able to run the ball pretty effectively. Like they, they didn't run it all that well in the first half, but then it, it felt like they just wanted to take the ball out of Aiden O'Connell's hands, wanted to recommit to the run in the second. And, you know, there was kind of one full drive where it just felt like it was all Josh Jacobs taking them down the field. Yeah, uh, it really was. And that's, uh, that's the other takeaway here is, Hey, the Raiders won. They've won two in a row now since the regime changed. There was dancing in the locker room afterward. Oh, yeah. Big, big weight lifted out their shoulders. Aiden O'Connell averaged 5.7 yards per attempt. He wasn't anything special. This was just like, we're going to force feed Josh Jacobs down your throat and hope it works out. They, they scored 16 points. Not all is well, but it was well enough. I mean, it was 9-9 going into the fourth quarter. I mean, this was not one yeah. for the books. I think we need to be careful with the Raiders. Like things that the vibes are up. There's no question about yeah. it. There was dancing in the locker room. I, I think firing McDaniels, you know, money stuff aside is, was, was in the best interest of this team, but you beat the worst team in football last week at the giants. And then, you know, you basically took advantage of Zach Wilson being the second worst quarterback in the NFL uh, yep. this past week. So I, I don't know that the Raiders have figured anything out. I don't know that they've turned a corner and, you know, their next two are against the Dolphins and the Chiefs. So right. I, I think those are these are pretty good spots for me to fade the Raiders. Dolphins, Chiefs, Vikings, uh, the next three games. And there's a yep. bye week sandwiched in there after the Dolphins and Chiefs games. In fact, I'm using the, it, you know, I am in a, alive in a different survivor pool okay. where I actually use the Cowboys. I didn't have to save them for Thanksgiving. So in that league, I'll be using the, 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 the Dolphins against the Raiders most likely this mm. week. Yeah, there's there's more options on the board this week. Like I don't I wouldn't mind using the Chargers against Green Bay. I mean, if you got Jacksonville, they're they're home for Tennessee. In theory, should be a bounce back spot. You know, if you still have the Lions or you're not saving them for Thanksgiving, they get the Bears at home. Uh, you know, Cowboys are at the Panthers. Like there are, there are a lot more spots this week than than in Week Ten. Yeah, um, some tricky ones though too. Like yeah, yeah, like Houston. You know, the hosting going playing Arizona now is no longer a walk. You know, Vegas isn't as much of a walk as it was before. I mean, Hey, teams get better. Some teams will get worse. I mean, can't play the giants every week. And right. th that's just, that's the problem. And sometimes some bad teams are also playing against the giants yeah. too. So uh, we'll see about that. Um, before we sign off, let's uh, whip through a few of these Q and A's um, and then we'll get you out of here. Cause I know you got a hoops contest coming up. I mean, you, hoops podcast. Cause you're the busiest man at Rotowire right now. Um, George says, should I trade Kenneth Walker after his big game? I'm worried about the Seahawks schedule. Who could I target to get an, uh, and he needs running backs. And that's the problem It's like mm. doing running back for running back trades, the challenge trades. Those don't happen very often, but yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean, do you, who do you, do you want to, I mean, I feel like you're trading for someone who's probably worse than Kenneth Walker. Right. I, I don't mm. know who you're targeting in that situation. Um, we could combine I, I wouldn't really be looking with to one here. Could you target Brees Hall for Ken? Would you offer Kenneth Walker for Brees Hall or Saquon Barkley? No, I'd, I'd rather have Kenneth Walker. Yeah, I, I, I just, I mean, maybe Brees Hall. I wouldn't. I don't want Saquon right now. I don't. Just not knowing what that Giants offense is going to look like. I, I don't. Even if they move away from Devito, it's like I think Matt Barkley's the current backup. Yeah, like you could go who? back to Tyrod at some point. Yeah. I just, I don't think any of those are good situations for Saquon. I, I think you just kind of have to eat that one. Yeah, it's the same offensive line, same offensive line, both New York teams. That's that's one of the big problems. It's not just quarterback. It's also the, the lines in both of those uh, situations there. Right. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, oh, lineup, well, CJ uh, or Lamar in week, this upcoming week. Uh, CJ gets Arizona. Lamar obviously gets the Bengals. We talked about that. Mm. I mean, the fact that we're asking the question says how much we how much CJ Stroud has moved up. Right. I think I would go CJ Stroud at this point. Uh, you know, I mean, it, he outscored Lamar this past week. He outscored Lamar by 30 two weeks ago. He outscored Lamar in week eight as well. Yeah. Uh, they've been comparable, you know, through even even Lamar's best weeks. You know, Stroud has, has been over 20 uh, pretty consistently. I, I would lean Stroud here given the matchup. Yeah, I think so too. I still think, I still, still think Arizona's a pretty bad defense. I don't think Kyler changes that. I agree. Uh, Quincy Davis says, I've got Goff. Do I drop him for Purdy or Dobbs? No, I don't think so. Goff's no. good. Dobbs has been better, actually, in terms of he fantasy. Runs. So, yeah, yeah right. He I mean, he's, got, he's got three straight 25-point games. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. I, I still wouldn't be looking to drop Goff, necessarily. I mean, I, I get you don't want to be carrying two quarterbacks in a 1QB league. I would certainly take Goff over Purdy still. 
but I mean, golf, golf versus Dobbs is like a legit debate. It really is. Yeah, it is. Uh, last question uh, from Jeff Rogers. Should I drop Zay Flowers for Noah Brown or Singletary? Ooh, if you really need running back help, then maybe Singletary. My guess, though, is that we don't see Houston rushing for 150 yards very often, if at all, the rest of the way. Um, Noah Brown, to me, I mean, pick him up if you can. I, I still would. I think Zay Flowers gives you a higher floor. You know, if you're if you're just if you have like three wins right now and you, you're just shooting for upside, then yeah, maybe. Uh, but I, I would still take Zay Flowers over, over Noah Brown. Yeah. One thing to say about Noah Brown, he's been awesome three weeks in a row now. Uh, but Robert Woods was hurt first, and now last week Nico Collins was hurt. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know what happens when they're at full capacity. How often does Brown see the field? Because is it is it a Brown breakout or is this CJ Stroud throwing him open? That, that that's the tough call. I mean, it might be a little both. I mean, I think you know one of the things with Stroud is every route is available. Maybe he he is unlocking some potential here, but it's going to be a crowded receiver room when they have everybody healthy. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. I it's close on Flowers versus Brown. I I think I and if you need running back help, Singletary I think is going to start. But I think they he's had one game where he's been able to run the ball effectively too. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, you could you could try buying somewhat low on Keaton Mitchell if people are discouraged by his usage and you think that increases at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Noah Brown is all he's still the number three slash four receiver. I know he's played well enough to to go higher than that, but. I think a, a lot of it is, you know, uh, Nico Collins just, you know, being limited last week and then not playing this week. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's exactly right. All right. That's going to wrap up today's podcast. Thanks everybody for uh, tuning in. Thanks to Circa and Splash for uh, supporting us. And uh, we've got, you know, free agent p- podcasts as always tomorrow, among other things from uh, Joe and Jake. Uh, so make sure to lock it in. So hit that subscribe button if you could, please. And if you want to check out Rotowire and check out all of our work, go to rotowire.com slash pod. Get that free peek behind the paywall. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens. And that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.